Hello, this is Adam from the Band Editor. You are tuned in to Undergroundopolis, hosted by my oldest friend, Rob Lyon, a.k.a. the X-Man. It's got my nipples hard. Waking up in this dark little room underneath the stairs Never knowing if I'll be alive to see the sunlight I take it all in, I'm breathing it out, but I still feel the same there's nothing to do except to try I live my life in fear Don't know what is the right direction The lights in the city all burn out Another lost opportunity with each reflection Tonight we have Freddie Bourne from Evansville, Indiana. He's from multiple places, I think. <laughs> we'll let him tell about that. Last weekend was the Wadi Stock Festival. It was a really great time. If you missed it, you really missed out. There's bands down from Ohio, from northern Ohio. There was someone in from South Carolina. Um, and of course, a, a lot of the local acts. It's always a really... It's, it, We'll be doing it again in either September or October. And I'll, when I get the details, I'll definitely be talking about it on here. I always do. We're going to go ahead and bring Freddie on and get started. What's up? What was it that, uh, when did you, when did you, Fred, have you been playing music your whole life or? Hey, wow. Um, I, I think like I tried, I think attempting was probably the best the best way to describe what I was doing. I think I started trying to play piano when I was like four or five. And then uh, I probably didn't take it seriously until I was like 10 or 11. The singing came first. And then the whole like aspect of playing an instrument was like super foreign and like not something I wanted to do because I saw a lot of people that were singing and playing guitar and I wanted to kind of stand out. And so keyboard became the main instrument for me because I didn't see a lot of people doing it when I was growing up. Um, and so that kind of became the prime instrument. I eventually learned how to play guitar. Um, I don't know. I, I, I guess I, I never found it as satisfying to play. I thought you can like Elton John it up and all that. And so I thought that the flamboyancy, the performance with a keyboard was and a piano was definitely a little bit more lively or that's at least what I was attracted to. Uh, but I would definitely say music's been around my entire life, uh, but didn't probably take it seriously until I was like 10 or 11. I was like, oh, this is actually an option. I can do music in a career type of aspiration. So do you have any big glasses or with jewels on them or anything? Or uh, Not at the moment. Uh, <laughs> all in storage right now. They're- yeah, uh, definitely have some some large glasses. That's for sure. I do have questionable attire. I do take my shirt off a lot in 
my performances. So if anything, my, my thing's probably closer more to GG Allen, but on the light side, I don't defecate on the stage. Not yet. <laughs> well, anyway, I don't well, think, you there's not, there's not a place for it in my act yet. Not yet. <laughs> not well, you yet. know about, my la- my guest last week used to sing for the Murder Junkies for a few well, that, years. That's that's why I was so excited to be on here tonight because I <laughs> I, I didn't I respect Gigi Allen for and the Murder Junkies for what they did. Like I know he was all about, you know, he had a mission of like I want rock and roll to be edgy. I want it to be unsafe. I want it to be uncomfortable. Um, don't get me wrong. There are things that I you know I definitely don't. I don't agree with what Gigi Allen did, but like, hey, he had a vision, um, and you, you know, he went after it, and he became a legend in his own right. And so, when I found out uh, your last guest, I was like, wait a second, I'm familiar with this guest. Uh, and sure enough, yeah, because I've listened to the Murder Junkies, I've watched the, uh, the documentary of Gigi Allen by Todd Phillips. Hated. That was before his time. So, what was that? Was it called Hated? Yes, it was. Hated. <laughs> yeah yeah but yeah I, so i was very excited that i was going to be right after this person i was like well this will be a nice segue into complete different music genres and styles <laughs> going from murder junkies defecating on the ground to very almost sunshine pop-esque piano dan fogelberg-esque material <laughs> is that was that uh dan fogerberg is he's like an influence of yours yeah yeah i got i got into fogelberg later in life um it was actually when i first was like writing music it was very it was more richard marks than anything um you know richard marks wrote a lot of great pop songs a lot of also great rock songs too like pop rock songs um and then as i got older um listening more to that folk rock music uh, or folk music, I guess Dan was more considered a folk musician. Um, and the way his songwriting was, uh, for me, was so um, endearing and a very attractive for someone like me trying to write more narrative stories and, and uh, you know, him kind of putting his heart on his sleeve and not being able to be a fictionalist and that kind of inspired me to no longer kind of try to write songs from a third point of view, I guess. It was, it needed to come from a place of heart and I could definitely hear that in all of his music. So it made a lot of sense. Yeah. He definitely, as I got older and started taking music more seriously, he became, still is a great influence. Um, yeah. Cause I didn't discover him until he was very much, uh, no longer with us. So. Well, who would you say you like, uh, you saw or, on a, like even on a TV show or at a concert or anything that you, that you saw on stage, he's like, "I want to be that guy." Who? Yeah. I, well, actually, I think it was it was actually a woman actually that I that I saw. Um, I heard and saw music um, performed, and I, well, it wasn't live; it was a video. Um, so Regina Spector, um, she's been around for years, and there was a one particular. Um, song called us um and it was actually in a movie 500 days of summer years later um but there was something the way that she had this composition the way that she used the piano as a main instrument and then all the other layers were 
you know, they were kind of, you know, there's small guitar, cello and violin, um, very, very light, light percussion, if not any percussion at all. And then when I got into more listening to her stuff, it was just a really refreshing thing to hear um, solo artists doing um, piano type music and then kind of going down that rabbit hole of uh, like Keen. Keen is a big British band that used like the piano as more of a lead. Definitely not as flippy floppy as Coldplay because Coldplay kind of went back and forth between, you know, guitar and piano being main instruments but like regina specter like when i first heard um the album that us was on that was kind of the main influence and then eventually uh andrew mcmahon of uh something corporate and jack's mannequin um josiah lemming he was somebody that was on idol a couple of years ago and uh one of the first contestants on the show at that time that was signed by a major label without getting um, in the live shows. So it was a really cool, um, thing to watch somebody that was young, like myself. Uh, I, well, I was definitely younger than he was, because he was able to be on the show. And I was like a very attracted to the idea of kind of standing on my own two feet as a, as a, uh, piano man, but sans Elton John, uh, kind of making it, uh, because I think Elton John makes it cool, but I think modern, I think, was the thought that I had. Because I definitely think that it wasn't a modern thing for me to, you know, watching Elton John, I just, it was definitely more performance-esque. And kind of, for me, I wanted to make it more about how one would sing with emotion on stage. And um, Elton John has incredible, you know, emotional songs, but a lot of people are going for the show, not going necessarily for that. But Barry Manilow's Mandy is the song that I'll still keep going back to over and over and over again. Uh, that reminds me about musicality and writing. It's such as a lovely for me, brilliant love song of just heartache and uh, kind of this invulnerability. And that's what I, I particularly stand for. So it's a mixture. It's a mixture of, of Regina Spector, Josiah Lemming, Keen, Barry Manilow. Great, great, great diversity. <laughs> great. Well, you know, Barry Manilow's the he's the man, man. He's so like he gets made fun of a lot, but Barry, hell, somebody, I am stuck on Band Aid. <laughs> he wrote so so many jingles and stuff. <laughs> it's like yeah, that's how that's how he got started. But I remember reading something because people critics did kind of get on him quite a lot, but. It was actually the it was the music industry professionals, people that were in the industry, that were giving him the kudos. I mean, Frank Sinatra, I think at one point said, "You're the next big thing." You know what I mean? And that's coming from Sinatra. Uh, I mean, you really you can't beat that, you know. <laughs> so, were you ever a Ben Folds fan, or? Yeah, I got into Ben Folds and Ben Ben Folds Five. Uh, actually just in the recent few years actually um cynthia my partner who's also a great singer songwriter she uh she was yeah. a huge fan of ben's full five and when she was in high school um and i never really i knew who ben folds was um i had friends that went to his concerts i had a lot of people um say that i reminded uh reminded me of him um you know they kind of acted that was a big influence of mine because he wasn't I, again he was kind of someone i found after 
I kind of figured out what my musicality was and the type of musician I wanted to be. Um, I, but I, I knew who he was. I knew, I knew, uh, about him. Um, my, I had a friend that did a, a songwriting camp with him directly one-on-one. So he was a really nice guy. I saw him on the, that sing off, uh, show. I think it was on NBC or something like that, whatever the acapella groups that come on. So, I mean, I was familiar with, uh, with him, but not necessarily with the work. Uh, but as of late, I've, I've gotten into some of the live albums. Um, I mean, they're great. I mean, I love them. I do. Uh, so I'm slowly, you know, not like a sold out fan yet, but definitely, I definitely respect what he's been doing and what he still does. Oh, there was one time, God, this was in the nineties. I went to a concert called the further festival. It was basically, there was a band called hot tuna there. I can't remember the other band. And then there was a band <laughs> called the other, the other ones. Rusted Root. Maybe it's Rusted Root was the other band. Was, Rusted, Rusted Root I do enjoy. I, yeah, I, I think it was them. Well, the other ones was like members of the Grateful Dead without Jerry Garcia because he, right. he, had, he had already <laughs> passed away. Uh, their piano player that night was Bruce Hornsby. And oh. That, <laughs> which I was I was pretty excited about that. But, yeah, I, I, I do like Bruce, actually. For me... Uh, I mean, I kind of go back, like I said, for me, uh, I have seen, like, people that I've seen live, I mean, I saw the police live, like, on their, I guess it was considered their first Feral World Tour, um, and I love I love that type of music, but I, it was just music I really enjoyed, but uh, Josh Groban, the, he's, the, he's, the, he's more of a, a pop singer, pop opera type singer, classically trained singer, but, um, I mean, he, that guy kind of does it all plays drums and plays keys and um i mean he's 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 a, he's that was definitely when i started going oh that would be a cool thing um and he reminds me of bruce a little bit um the way he kind of uh the way he played on stage at the very least um you know i i, I never got into like looking up bruce as much um i mean he's been in so many he's created so many different projects that i kind of it, it's hard to kind of keep up on with him. So I go, Oh, I could see that, you know, at least he's been around for quite a while. How would you describe your music that you create? Ah, man. I mean, it's gone through, I always kind of go through these like reinvention stages a little bit. You know, I feel when I started, I think it was trying to be very pop rock and trying to find this very middle of the road, mainstream thing. Um, and and trying to find songs that were very hook oriented and then um the problem with that was that a lot of these songs just kind of didn't they lost the heart of what i was writing about um and then kind of went in the opposite direction where it was kind of completely anti-commercial for the next release um still staying true to the piano being the main instrument and so that was kind of more the ambient avant-garde experimental phase of what I was trying to go for almost in this lo-fi spectrum or at least sounding lo-fi but it was still produced and still mixed and mastered I would say probably with the more studio like the more studio oriented releases as of now I, I would definitely classify myself in this soft rock folktronica 
um, piano pop genre, um, more leaning on the soft rock area. Um, Cause I, I, I love journey and, 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 Steve Perry, Sticks. Oh, no, the new guy, the new guy. I'm just kidding, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, I, I mean, just just recently, uh, uh, you know, Steve Perry's album, he had an album that came out a couple, uh, 2018. And, I mean, that music was very, almost kind of like, oh, like it was nice to see what he was kind of doing now, you know, close to 23 years later. Um, and, uh, I was like, oh, it is kind of, it is soft rock still. And it's kind of the same type of thing that I'm kind of going for, which is kind of blending a lot of these live instruments together. Piano's kind of taking the lead and, but, uh, it's very soft vocals. It's not too aggressive. It's not too, um, raspy. It's not overly complicated. There's a really, you know, subtle, smooth melody. Um, so I would say probably soft rock uh with emphasis on on the keyboard definitely for me especially if you see me at my live shows that you're you're not really getting anything but vocals and and keyboard yeah but i've seen you do purple rain which blows the crowd away every single time (laughs) i appreciate that yeah and it's prince was a prince was an influence on me um kind of just um kind of keeping me on the right track of not steering away from what I've developed over the, you know, I've been doing the solo thing, I would say on and off for about eight or nine years, I think now. Um, and, you know, Prince, I mean, that song, I mean, I love the song. I heard, I heard an arrangement of that before and I kind of made it my own. So that way it has a little bit more purpose to me. And, um, but the thing I, I admire the most about Prince is that no matter what, was going on um you know he didn't really conform if anything he kind of set the trend um in all the eras of music when it was between folk music and disco music or new wave music like he he wasn't a he was a, he was adapting to the times without actually adapting to the trends that were occurring at the moment like in the 80s where there was a lot of new wave music he kind of still found a way to put r&b and soul on the map and that was the thing that was still getting popular for him. Um, and I, 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 I admire that so much because people, you know, people have had their theories about who, like how he was as a musician or, you know, not as a musician, but as he was as a person necessarily. And, and um, he never stared away from being who he was, even when people kind of had some odd things to say about him. And so, you know, him kind of staying away from, the public eye as much as he did like that's kind of i like that approach i think it's difficult now because now you are in an era where people you know pr teams and people that are in the industry that had you know luck with one or two people are kind of saying well now you need to be overexposed and overexposed um which you know back then i mean prince it was not one of those things that he was overexposed if anything he say relatively low-key um, and he let the music speak for itself. So I, I, I like to think that my uh, my overall objective is kind of similar to how Prince kind of lived his 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 mantra. I would say that's, that would be my mantra more or less is to let the music kind of speak for itself. And, you know, if one person likes it, then I've done my job. 
to connect with one person. I've done my job. If 99 other people don't like it, I mean, if they have a pa- impassioned reason why they don't enjoy it, uh, that's even better. I just don't like when people just go, yeah, it's good, and they have nothing really to give you feedback on, or they said, I just I just don't like it. <laughs> it's like, no. It's nice to hear people actually go, I don't like it because of this and this and this. And I'm like, thank you, because you actually care to to give yourself three to four minutes to listen to this and go, you know, this is what bothers me. <laughs> I'm like, wow, I got inside your head, right. you know? Good and bad press is still press. <laughs> yeah, that's why I say that too, man. <laughs> no, no such thing as bad publicity. No, not but. at all. Not at all. <laughs> oh, do you have a particular creative process? Um, it. I mean, it changes. Um, I mean, I think the there's still there's certain. Uh, I would say there's there's certain things that still occur. That like there's definitely like three particular uh points in the process that still stay the same it just depends on when they occur um you know my best writing has occurred uh taking baths a lot so um for all the viewers and listeners on this podcast and know what i look like uh just envision that uh in a (laughs) bathtub writing uh songs because i actually used to do that though um I, i i don't write them now physically anymore in the bathtub but the melodies um and more word more just words come to my head not necessarily melodies as much anymore um but i used to have a big clipboard that i used to bring with me in the bathtub that would actually um just literally like almost be like a it was like a big serving dish essentially it's like if you were eating in the bathtub um and then i'd just be able to write the songs that way or the lyrics at least um but i mean I, I always try to, with each record that I'm doing, I try to give myself a little bit of space to kind of go out and listen what's around me and kind of hear what other people are, you know, kind of doing in their creative processes, like at open mics of like, oh, this is something that would be an interesting thing to tackle and, 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 and look into in this type of music. Um, I do, I am one of those people that, when people give me a suggestion of something to listen to, I do listen to it. Um, just because I feel that uh, if someone is recommending that to me and it's not their own music and they're saying, go listen to this thing, I think you'll enjoy it. Um, it shows to me that it's something that they have great care in and definitely something I want to look into. Um, I like to, uh, definitely like I, I i can't sit down and like say i'm gonna write today like that's just not a thing that i can do because then i feel like it's too force of a process um it has for me it has to come naturally because i think when i've done that i've really turned out i've really kind of put out songs that were i never put those songs out but those songs really didn't have any not clarity and not heart necessarily but definitely did not hit the mark enough that I was so I was invested in it you know to me it's like that's with anything writing because I do journalism on the side um for a magazine out here so it's like yeah this for you yeah so yeah news for (laughs) you I've been in that magazine before (laughs) yeah I've been in a few (laughs) times and then um I really just wanted to start writing um and sure enough I knew the editor and he was more than happy to have me write a column uh, every month and 
that's been getting a lot of good perception in press too, which has been really nice. Um, but, um, you know, for me, it kind of just comes at when, when you least expect it is kind of when that writing bug kind of comes out. Um, and that's kind of how all these songs, every song that I've written has kind of been that way. Um, because I do see that people try to force themselves to write something and it, it, you know, it ends up kind of putting a lot of pressure of trying to make it good. But then it's like, well, you know, now you're just trying to, you know, try to make something out of nothing right now versus like exploring around you. Um, so I really just, that's the second thing is making sure that I, you know, exploring what's around me and finding inspiration that way, but not, um, not anticipating it, not forcing it. Um, and then, you know, the third thing is always making sure that I can find the right producer um, to uh, work with side by side. Um, Cause I like to make it not a, a me process, but rather a, um... Oh, I see Dylan Bean has a question. I'll, I'll ask, I'll answer that right, right off the, I'll answer that right after this. Um, I, um, to me, it just, it, it got to this place for me, like I was writing these songs out and I, 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 I kind of lost my train of thought, but I'm trying to get back on. <laughs> but, um, you know, for the third record, for me, it's for, for, yeah, producing. So like, I know for a fact that if there's certain songs that I've written, like this last record, I knew that I wanted to be more in the commercial realm, but still with this side of um, not underground music, but music that is either been underappreciated the past couple of years or influences from different countries. Um, and um, so I knew right off the bat who that producer was going to be because there was someone that I knew was very in line with those thoughts. But at the same time, I didn't want that to be, a, you know, me just basically directing and, you know, and saying this, 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 and this. Um, because I have been an experience where I've been so close minded and it kind of sucks because um, obviously they're kind of only doing what you're asking them to do. And they're just doing it for the money because they're like, I'll do whatever you want if you just pay me the X amount of money. And I, I've been thankful that I haven't had to do that many times in my career. Every time that I've done it, I've paid very little and I've had complete creative control. Um, but I've been in situations with, you know, projects that I've started but never finished um as a as solo without bringing anyone else on board and that to me was always a discouraging thing um was you know kind of taking the lead and then not really getting any feedback and just kind of going is this good is this good is this good and then asking their input and they really wouldn't have anything um so i really always value production the producer's input um with every project that i'm doing because it's just as much uh, my project as it is theirs. Um, cause at the end of the day, they're putting their name on it. And if, so it's, if it's not good, it might damage my reputation as a musician, but it damages their reputation as a producer for not catching certain things or allowing things to happen. Um, so I, I always make sure those are the three crucial things are, uh, taking baths because that definitely helps, for me, uh, it's observing the world around me and not and 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 allowing things in as opposed to forcing them or anticipating them, and then uh, making sure that when I have these songs written or 
envisioning these songs that I find the right person that I can be in line with in terms of uh, producing the music to the best quality that it can to get the messages and the music across in the best way. Um, so yeah, uh, I'll answer Dylan's question. Uh, what was your very first song and do you still like it? Ooh. Um, well, first off, Dylan, congratulations. I know you played uh, Way Stock this past weekend. Um, I was not invited this year, even though I was last year, didn't get to play. What up with that, Ed? Call me. No, I I, <laughs> I, I wanted to play last year. Um, I didn't get a chance to because of, of COVID. Um, and Ed and I kind of just reconnected. <laughs> so I, I, I feel like I was just not in that realm. Um, but uh but congratulations, though. I'm really happy to see that you did it. The confidence look, and you're looking great, by the way, Dylan. Uh, you definitely have uh, been shedding quite a lot of LBs. Um, for me, the first song I ever wrote um, was Dark Little Room, actually, what you were playing uh, in the intro, Rob. Um, and um, when I Dark Little Room actually came out back in 2013, it's actually... It's actually an album. It's actually on the album Only Human, and it's actually called uh, Push Away. So it was actually a different title, but it's the same lyrics. Nothing changed lyrically. Um, and um, when I got old, when I you know was getting older, and I was on a different label with a different producer, um, you know, I played that song for him live when we were just kind of chit chatting because him and I were really good friends. We still are good friends. And he goes, I want to, he's like, did you just write that? I was like, no, no, no. I've had this song for years. And he goes, I want to, he's like, produce that. And I was like, it's actually out. But I always felt that that song back then, I didn't have, I didn't take a lot of artistic liberties to make that song really what it could become. And then um, when we talked about it, uh, he was more than happy to reconstruct it with me. Um, nothing really changed. Everything stayed pretty much the same in terms of lyrics and the chord progression, but it was more of making it sound what it could have became a couple of years ago. So I was very happy about that. Uh, and I, and it was the first song I wrote that I had utmost um, that I wrote in full. I think I was like 17 or 18 when I wrote it. And I was um, for me, my, for myself anyway, um, and I still love playing. I still love playing that song. Um, it's 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 still one of my favorite songs to play, um, especially now more than ever because that song was about, um, in a it was about isolation, um, and and I think particularly this past calendar year of 2020, isolation was a really big theme uh, for a lot of people, and so it's taken quite a lot of. Uh, a lot of different meanings to me and to a lot of different people because it definitely speaks out a little bit more. Um, but I was in bands before that and I wrote lyrics for that, not necessarily the, the music, but definitely the lyrics. Um, and I mean, uh, I don't really play any of those songs because it's just one of those things in history that I, I kind of just want to focus on the, on the, on myself in the future. So I don't, I refrain from playing those songs simply because it just brings back a, uh, off off memories <laughs>
To be continued, check out part two next Wednesday or go to our YouTube channel and check out the full interview uncut and unedited. Your joke of the week is brought to you by Snaps for Sinners. Why, why do they put <laughs> barcodes on the ships in Norway? So they can Scandinavian. That is all our time we have for now. Thank you for listening to Undergroundopolis. Remember, we do this every Wednesday night, bringing you new and exciting artists every week. Be sure to hit up their websites and social media and stream or download their music. If you like this show, please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Spotify, any streaming platform, and leave us a review as well. I'm your host, Rob Lyon, signing off.